going to be in? <laughs> yes. We're going to be talking about Jesus, but we're going to be in the book of Galatians. So I want to start with a question, and, and this question is going to be one that we continue to go back to tonight. And that question is, why do you do it? Think about that question for a second. That's a question we can apply to so many different things in your life. Why do you do it? I, I, I remember you guys don't have kids yet, but one day you will have kids, Lord willing. And one of the questions you're going to get from your children that's going to drive you nuts is the question, why? Hey, I need you to go brush your teeth. Why? It's time to go to bed. Why? It's time to take a shower. Please. Why? And you get that question over and over and over. And as a parent... You really get tired of explaining those answers, and finally, what's the answer come down to? Because I know your parents have told you this. Because I said so. That's absolutely right. But the why question is a good question. Because if you think about that question, that applies to every area of your life. Why do you do it? The question, why do you do it? For instance, those of you, when you eat, do you, how many of you separate your food? You don't like your food to touch. How many of you, you don't care, you can all mash together, it's like a big salad, okay? So the question is why? Why do you do it that way? You've got reasons, you've got reasons. For those of you, when you get dressed in the morning, do you put on your right sock first or your left sock? Do you know why? What's that? Whichever one you're holding, okay? See, guys, as we look at this, hey, as we talk about this, there's always a reason as to the why. But we don't always know what that reason is. I mean, I can throw out another question. Why, on a Wednesday night, do you sit in the back? Or do you sit in the front? Or do you sit in the middle? Because, hey, let's be honest. We're good Southern Baptists. We sit in the same place every single week, don't we? And if somebody walks in and they're in your seat, you're like, you're going to have my seat. I'm going to smack somebody. Yeah, and we think it. We're not going to say it, but we think it. But the question is why? Why do we do it? And see, here's the thing, guys. In every other area of our lives, some of those times when we ask that question, we know the why. We know what the answer is. I was asked tonight, so I was playing ping pong, and I was playing right-handed, and, and where was it, Brock, or somebody said, hey, I, I, yeah, it's like, I, I thought you were left-handed. Well, yeah, I am left-handed. I write, and I eat left-handed, but and I bat left-handed, but when I play a sport and throw a ball or use some kind of instrument in my hand, it's my right hand. I do know why, because I used to try to do it left-handed, and I found out when I was little, my right arm was stronger, so it just made sense. But if we look at different areas of our lives, sometimes we don't know that answer because we haven't stopped and we haven't given it any thought. We haven't drilled down into why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Why am I doing it the way that I'm doing? And if we take a step back, that question becomes even more important when we think about our relationship with God. Because there's a lot of us in this room, we come to church every single week. Sunday morning, some on Sunday night, Wednesday night, different times we go to camps, we do all of these things, and the question I would ask you is, how do you do it? What's your reason? What's your motivation? What is it that makes you want to be around other people that are pursuing God? What is it that makes you want to pursue God, or what is it that just makes you want to show up because all your friends will be there? 
And so, sometimes we don't stop and ask ourselves that question. We don't ask ourselves, why do we do it? We just get in the habit of doing it, and there's never really any purpose for it that we know of. But if we will stop and drill down, we'll find out our reason why. And what Paul is talking about, as we finish up the book of Galatians tonight, he's talking to these believers, and he's saying, hey, you need to understand all of these false teachers that he's been writing to them about for this entire book, these last five and a half chapters. He said, you need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Because if you understand why they're doing what they're doing, then you'll understand why you're doing what you're doing. So as we jump into this tonight, like we do every time we study a book of the Bible, I'm going to ask you some of the basic questions. Who wrote the book of Galatians? Paul, once known as Saul. Yes. Okay. Who did he write it to? Say that again. Churches of Galatia. That's right. Remember, this is not just one church. This is a region in Galatia where he's writing to multiple churches. And why is he writing this? False teachers. False teachers. What were the false teachers doing? False teaching. False teaching. That's exactly right. They were coming in and they were adding to the gospel of Jesus, which takes us to what is the main thing of the book? Salvation by faith alone. So Paul had come in, Paul had helped start these churches, and he taught them what Scripture said. He taught them the gospel of Jesus Christ, that salvation is by faith alone. That the only way, the absolute only way you can be forgiven of your sin by God, and we all have that sin problem, is through what Jesus did on the cross. When he laid down his life, when he took the punishment Scripture says is owed for our sin, we can't pay that punishment. God paid that punishment when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And his blood was shed because that's what's required. And yet scripture tells us that three days later we celebrated at Easter. Jesus took his life back up and he showed that he is God. He showed that he does have power over death and power over sin and power over all of creation by doing what no one else in history, past or in the future ever will do. He took his own life up by his own power. And in that moment, he conquered sin and he conquered death. And what Paul is trying to help the Galatians understand is that that is the gospel of Jesus. And that is the only way you experience salvation. Through faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Through faith in the fact that he rose from the dead and that he's alive right now, sitting at the right hand of God. And scripture tells us there's one day he's coming back. That's salvation by faith alone. But see, these false teachers were coming in and they were adding to that. They were saying, no, 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 yeah, you have to believe in Jesus, but you've also got to hold to some of this Old Testament law, some of this Old Testament tradition. And as they came in and started teaching that, some of the Galatians started believing that. And they started going through this Old Testament uh, process called circumcision. And as they did that, they were identifying themselves not only as Christians, but also as Jews. And Paul's coming in and saying, hey, guys. You need to understand why you're doing what you're doing. And you need to understand these teachers that are coming in and telling you to do this. You need to understand why they're telling you to do what they're telling you to do. And that's exactly what we're going to dig into tonight. So as we get ready to read this, I'm going to ask Mr. Maverick Garner. Come on up here, buddy. Stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We are going to be in Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. This is week 13 in this book. Do you know that? No, me neither. Okay. We, <laughs> but we are finally finishing this book tonight. So Maverick, 
Take it away, good sir. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has crucified to me, and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the, upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord. Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for bringing us all here tonight. Please speak through Pastor Jesse tonight and help everybody to learn something. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. So starting right there in verse 11, let's just pick it up. He says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, that verse seems way out of place with everything else he's been talking about in here. But Paul is making a point here so that we can understand exactly what's happening. Paul had a habit when he was not in prison. Paul was known for dictating his letters. And if you don't know what that means, it basically means he spoke while someone else wrote down his words. How many of you would love it if people did that for you with your schoolwork? I figured there'd be a couple of you. And some of your teachers would probably be happy about it, too, because they could read your writing. I know my teachers would have been happy about that. And Miss Kathleen shaking her head. Yes, exactly. You'd be happy about it now, wouldn't you? People could read my writing. But that's what Paul's doing here is, is right now Paul is actually telling them, hey, I'm the one that's writing this. Now, he's been dictating this letter up until this point in time. He's talking. Someone else is writing down his words. But now he's making sure they understand he is the one who has picked up the pen or the quill or whatever it is he's writing with. And he is the one who is actually writing these words down. And the reason he's doing this is because what he's getting ready to say is important enough for him to put in the time and the effort to actually pin those words himself. And he even says there, he says, I'm, I'm writing to you with my own hand. See with what large letters I'm writing to you. He's writing not just even in a normal hand size. He's writing bigger. He's, he's emphasizing what he's getting ready to say. He's basically telling the Galatians, pay attention to what's coming next because it's important. It matters. And then he goes on to verse 12. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Now, remember, Paul's talking about these false teachers. He's been talking about this entire letter. That's what he means when he says it's those who want to make a good showing. He's talking about those false teachers. And he says they want to make a good showing in the flesh. What that means is by that phrase, make a good showing. It means what they're doing is so other people would be impressed. That's what they're trying to do. For instance, I know we've got one or two people in here um, who, who raise hogs, right? Where you at, Riley? Raise hogs, okay? I'm going to call you out there. So when you raise hogs and you take them to different competitions, what's your goal there? To win. To win, right. You've got to make a good showing, don't you? You want your hog to do, number one, you want it to look nice because I know you love those hogs and bathe them, don't you? Yeah, I see that grin. You want, which, by the way, the end goal is bacon. Right? I was going to say the end goal is to eat them eventually. But in the meantime, while you're raising them, 
why you're doing the competitions. You want to make a good showing. You, you want to win. You want the hog to do well. You want other people to be impressed. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about right here. For those of you that are in band, you practice, you practice, you practice, you go to those band competitions and you want to make a good showing because you want to win the competition or sports or whatever it is that you do. You want to make a good showing. And that's what Paul is talking about here. But that's a problem when it comes to your relationship with God. When your goal is to make a good showing so that other people will be impressed about how you're pursuing God, the answer to the why is wrong. Because if you're doing it for other people to notice you, if you're doing it for other people to look and go, oh, what a good Christian they are, that's not what Scripture tells us we're supposed to be doing. And that's what Paul is trying to help them understand. These false teachers, if they could convince these Galatian believers, these Galatian Christians to participate in this physical traditions, then what happened is those Galatian believers would now be identified as Jews because they've gone through this physical act. So now they're saying, hey, you know what? I, I was a Gentile. Remember, Gentiles are people who are not born of Jewish nationality or Jewish origin. And they're saying, I've gone through this process and now, ritualistically, I'm considered a Jew. And that's what these, these false believers were trying to get these Galatians, these Gentiles, to do. And if they did that, then now they're no different than all of the other Jews who don't believe in Jesus. Do, do you see what's happening there? Because if they're no different, then none of the other Jewish people can come after them. Because they're like, oh, well, they, they, they've gone through this process, so they're like us, so we, we can just leave them alone. But if they don't go through this physical act, if they don't do what these false teachers are telling them to do, then the only thing that connects the Jewish people by birth and these Gentile Christians is Jesus. And that's it. And what these false teachers knew is that if all they do is believe in Jesus Christ and they truly trust in salvation by faith alone, there's possible persecution that's going to come there. That the Jewish people who didn't believe in Jesus, but they're Jewish by birth, they're Jewish by nationality, but remember, they're the ones who actually crucified Jesus and put him in the tomb, that they might go after these Christians. And if they went after these Christians and these false teachers are hanging out in the churches with these Christians, guess who might be persecuted as well? The false teachers. <clears throat> See, they're trying to make a good showing. They're trying to impress everyone with what they're getting these Gentile Christians, these Galatian Christians to do because they didn't want to suffer for the sake of the gospel. They didn't want to take the chance that they might face persecution. So what they did is they added to the gospel to make it culturally acceptable. And you guys see this in your culture every single day. You can follow Jesus. You can trust Jesus. Oh, and by the way, when you do that, your life's going to be great from that moment on. You're going to have everything that you want. You're going to have everything that you need. You're never going to get sick again. Life's going to be awesome. You won't have any problems. Have you all ever heard people talk about Jesus that way before? I wish that was true. That'd be awesome if it was the truth. I also wish it was the truth. But it's not. Because Scripture tells us we're going to face persecution. Scripture tells us we're going to have problems, but in those persecuting moments, in those persecution moments, in those problems, we also have hope. We have hope that there's a God that loves us. 
We have hope that when things are happening and they make absolutely no sense in our lives and we can't make heads or tails and nothing seems to be going the way that it should be going, that God is still in control. And that God still has a plan. And that God did send his son to die for our sins. And we can know his grace and his love and his mercy. But these false teachers, they were worried about persecution. Now, Paul, on the other hand, Paul's not worried about it. We saw that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 11, a couple weeks ago. He said, but if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Paul's saying, hey, I'm not preaching what they're preaching, but I'm being persecuted for it. And if I was preaching what they're preaching, I'm still being persecuted for it. He said, you need to make sure you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And then he goes on and he makes the argument that the fear of persecution is not the only reason they're doing this. Look at verse 13. He says, for even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. For they desire to have you circumcised that, you, that they may boast in your flesh. He's saying they're worried about their selves and they don't really care about you. What they're doing, these false teachers, they were holding the Galatians to this mosaic law, this tradition, to a higher standard than they were willing to meet themselves. Because they're saying, hey, you Gentile Christians, you need to go through this act. You need to do what the Mosaic law, this Old Testament stuff demands. And yet there were other parts of that law that these false teachers weren't living up to. They're saying the things they're telling you to do, they're not even doing some of those things themselves. And if they can get these Galatian believers to go through with this requirement, now they can brag to other people and say, hey, look how many people we've converted. Look how many people have come over to our team. Again, it's not about the Gentiles. It's not about the Galatian believers. It's about the false teachers. They wanted to be able to impress other Jewish people. They wanted to be dishonest so that they could boast about their numbers. Churches are still guilty of this today. You, you guys, most of you, probably all of you, you've never been to a conference that's full of pastors. You want to know the number one, one of the number one things that gets talked about? How many did you have last Sunday? How many are you in your youth group? What's your children's ministry running these days? And I've been in churches, guys, where there are people who will sit up in the balcony, and I do this sometimes, and you'll see them, and they're doing this, and they're counting how many people are there. But I've also been in churches where somebody will stand up there and go, about 200. And that's it. Because the goal is to increase your numbers. The goal is to make a good showing. The goal is to impress other people. And it has nothing to do with pursuing God. It has nothing to do with honoring Him with your life. And that's what Paul is trying to help these believers see. These false teachers that are coming in, these false teachers that are trying to convince you of the right ways to follow and honor God, you need to understand what they're doing is all about themselves. It's not because they care about you. It's not because they love you. It's not because they're worried about your walk with God. It's because they're worried about how other people are going to see them. He's helping these Galatian believers understand the why of these false teachers. He's saying, guys, this is why they do it. And then he shifts. He says, but let me tell you why I do it. In the next verse, verse 14, he says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by which the Lord has been crucified to me. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's saying those things the false teachers are telling you, the things that they're promoting, those things don't matter. And Paul says, I don't care about those things. He's not concerned with the recognition. He says all he can boast in is the cross. He's talking about the cross, being this, this whole idea of being crucified. If you don't know anything about the history of that, being crucified on a cross, especially through the, through the Roman society, that was a humiliating way to die. It was done to people to absolutely remove any pride or any self-respect they had. It was absolutely humiliating. And it was typically reserved for the, the lowest criminals in society. So like the, the upper people, the people that were, that were better off, they didn't get crucified because it was so humiliating. This was designed to strip away every aspect of pride that you may have in a society where being honored in front of people was a big deal. And what Paul is saying right here is that's what he's following. That all he's going to boast in is the cross. Something that is degrading, something that is humiliating, something that takes people's lives. He's saying that is all that he can boast in. And let's be honest, if you know anything about Paul, there's a whole lot of stuff he could have boasted in, especially when it came to being a Jew. He writes some of it in Philippians chapter three, verse two. Listen to this. He says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Different book, same topic right there. For we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So Paul had every reason to brag about who he was. He goes on in verse five, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul's saying, if you want to look at, at society standards when it came to the Jewish culture, he said, I've got everything that people want. I know the word of God. I've got the social status. I've got the heritage. I've got everything. And yet when he goes on here in the next verse, verse seven, he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, all of those things that gave me cultural, social, popularity, and status, every bit of that is garbage, is trash. He says, all of it is nothing when it comes to the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as his Lord. Because Paul has understood what Jesus has done for him personally. Paul has had the opportunity to see his sin. 
Paul has had the opportunity to confess that sin and ask Jesus to forgive him. And Paul has had the opportunity to know the grace and the mercy of God that has engulfed his life. Paul said that's the only thing that matters. And then he goes on in verse 15 of chapter 6 of Galatians. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. He says it's not the outward appearance. It's not the actions that matter when it comes to your relationship with God. It's a matter of the heart. It's what Mr. Chad talked about a couple weeks ago during spring break. It's not the outward things that you do that make you right with God. It's not how well you know the songs or how much money you give or how nice you dress on Sundays or Wednesdays or how many times you serve in vacation Bible school. Those are all great things, but you know what? Those don't make you a better Christian. Those don't even make you a safe Christian. What those things do when we're doing it for the wrong reasons is they just put on a show. We try to make a good show. We try to make sure everybody sees what we're doing, hears what we're doing. Paul says none of that matters if you're not pursuing Jesus Christ. You've got to know why you do what you do. You've got to know why you show up at church. You've got to know why you sing the songs. You've got to know what is going on here. And and when Paul penned these words, (laughs) it's true then and it's true now. He makes this one statement here. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. That physical act did not and does not make you right with God. It's the faith and trust you put in him. It's knowing he's forgiven you of your sin. God's people at that time when he wrote this, they weren't distinguished or identified by their ethnicity or their heritage anymore. There was a time when God specifically spoke to the Jewish people and he made the Abrahamic covenant and he said, you will be my people and I will be your God and you will obey my words and you will follow my commandments and I will take care of you and I will will be your God. And there was a time where it was just the Jewish people. But that was never God's plan to just stay with the Jewish nation. God's plan was always to open it up to everybody else. Because something you need to understand about God, God doesn't change his plans midstream. God is a God of consistency. God is a God who knows everything that has ever happened, knows everything that we are saying and thinking right now. We see that in Scripture because there's times when Jesus is talking to the religious leaders who are trying to trip him up, and Jesus responds to their thoughts. Not their words, but what they're thinking. He's the God that knows us intimately. And he's the God that knows everything that will ever happen in the future. And he's not a God that changes plans midstream. It was always God's plan for the Jewish people to know him and the Gentile people to know him. And what he's saying here, Paul is saying there's no distinction because of this physical act anymore. It's not a matter of your physical body. It's a matter of your Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Is it salvation by faith alone? It was true then and it's true now. Race, popularity, social media follows and likes, none of those things make you more or less important to God. Not a single one of them. We put up qualifications, but God has one. 
Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That's it. That is the one qualification to have a relationship with him. That is the one qualification to be his child. Scripture tells us to be adopted into his family and know that you're forgiven and you are his. And then Paul finishes this. Verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. There's a good chance Paul's talking about the evidence of his own suffering here. Because he pursued Jesus, because he preached the gospel, he was beaten, he was shipwrecked, he was in prison. Scripture tells us multiple times he was whipped 39 times because if you went to that 40th time, that was likely to kill somebody. He says, in my own body, I bear the scars. I bear the marks of Jesus. Paul suffered for the sake of the gospel. He did what those false teachers were trying to get away from because he was focused on the cross of Jesus because he was determined that at all costs, He was going to pursue Christ and make him known. And then he closes there in verse 18. I've already read it the same way he opened the book. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Galatians 1.3, he said, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's reminding us at the very end, salvation through faith alone is only possible because of the grace of God. The grace that sent Jesus to the cross. The grace that rose Jesus from the tomb. The grace that forgives your sin. The grace that makes you a child of God, forgiven and free to live a life that honors him. So I will ask you the question that we started with tonight. Why do you do it? Your life, the church things you do, are you doing it for the praise of other people? Are you doing it to make a good showing? Are, are you doing it because you don't want people to make fun of you? Are you doing it because you're afraid that other people are going to think you're weird if you don't join in? What's your reason? Why do you come? Why do you call yourself a Christian? There's only one answer when it comes to what God's word says. The only answer that matters to that why question is because you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for every single one of us in this room tonight. That you've made that decision. That you know that grace and that love and that mercy of God because he has created you to know him. He has created you to have a relationship with him. Why do you do what you do? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. God, I thank you that we can come together on a night like tonight and and we can sing and we can praise you, God, and, and we can spend time in your word. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us, Lord, I pray that we're different tonight as we walk out of here because we've been in your presence. God, I pray that you will Help every one of us to answer that question tonight of why. Why do we do it? Why do we claim you as our Lord and Savior? God, help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to really dig into why we do what we do when it comes to a relationship with you. 
And God, I pray if there's anybody in here tonight that's going through the motions, that's doing the church thing, the God thing, God, just to make a good showing or just because they're afraid of what their parents will think if they don't. God, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to them right now. God, I pray that you'll reveal your holiness. I pray that you'll reveal your grace and your love. God, most importantly, I pray that you'll reveal your forgiveness. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you.